It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Welcome back to another episode of the Barstoolers Premier League podcast. The headline of this week's Premier League action was VAR. The lads weigh in on their opinions. They also talk about the transfer window as it's coming to a close. The lads also review a handful of games including Leeds City, Villa Liverpool and the headline game of the weekend, United and Spurs. We hope you enjoy the show. Right, so the men are back bringing you another podcast. Connell's not here because in his words, he was too emotionally charged after the United game that he couldn't have his opinions broadcast on the internet. So today we have myself, which is Michael, and then we have Ronan and James. James is back after uh, a hamstring injury from last week, but he's fully match fit, ready to bring on that podcast. Yeah, apparently Connell tested positive for terrible opinions on football. That's why he's not here this week, having to self-isolate for, for the minute. Yeah, and it's a, it's a welcome self-isolation, unlike Thiago at Liverpool, but we can do without Thiago, we can do without Connell, you know? Yeah, we're recording this now on the Tuesday, and we just found out 20 minutes ago that Thiago missed the game against Arsenal because he tested positive for COVID-19. So uh, that could it'd be a massive blip now for the pool for the rest of the season, him dying, but uh, we'll see how things go. Yeah, there's, there's levels to us in United, though, like Pogba... Literally just after coming back from uh, two weeks of COVID-19, stick him right in the team. No fitness. There you go. There you go. Proper order. We can do it without Thiago. Different levels. So this week on the podcast, uh, we're down uh, a supporter group in terms of United. So you're just going to be bombarded with some Liverpool propaganda. So I think a good starting point for this week's podcast is to talk about the Liverpool Arsenal game which was on Monday night, Liverpool winning by three goals to one against Arsenal. Very impressive performance by Liverpool. Uh, to be fair, I expected them to concede a lot more. Didn't expect Arsenal to be as stinky as they were. But Liverpool, very dominant, owned the ball the whole game. Very professional performance, I have to say. Yeah, Boston midfield. I uh, don't think there's any questions. Oh, Liverpool deserving the win. thought Gomez was... Very good coming back into the side after an injury. Obviously, Diogo Jota coming off the bench, scoring the goal. Don't think there's any complaints in Liverpool. I know there was that one mistake from Robertson, but he made up for with the goal. 
fairly dominant performance overall from Liverpool. Yeah, it was pretty standard. And I think we like targeted Granite Xhaka so well. Like they're looking at Jorginho Arsenal. You need mobility in that midfield. You need to inject mobility. Like there's there's Xhaka is very gettable in the big games. Like he needs plenty of space on the ball, and when he doesn't have it, Liverpool's press is just relentless. And the one time didn't pay off for us, obviously that Robertson mistake. But uh look, these things happen and a fairly emphatic win for the pool. Yeah, I, I think I think Robertson was I think Van Dyke went to put his foot out for that. I think Robertson was just expecting Van Dyke to get to it, so it was kind of more a snapshot of just not to excuse a mistake. But very disgraceful that Lacazette was rewarded for having a terrible shot on Allison there. Allison was doing the good thing as a goalkeeper, anticipating the shot and just I guess getting, getting, getting getting murdered for getting punished even for, for good goalkeeping. It's shocking. Liverpool were very lucky that Lacazette can't finish as well. He had two very good chances in the second half. Alisson was a doubt for the game uh, by all sounds of the reports. And if Adrian was a net, uh, probably would have been a different outcome to the game. Could well Maybe he would have saved goal. Lacazette's first. <laughs> probably <laughs> you not. Know, just being Adrian. Yeah, well, you never know. Senor flappy hands. Senor flappy hands is right. I have one thing I was noticing. It's so different watching a game as a fan and then trying to analyse the game. Like, obviously... We'd see more good in Liverpool, and that people would try. We try not to find the bad in it. But one thing that kind of annoyed me, it was towards the end of the game after Jota came on. It's just Salah. He can be very selfish. It's probably the only part of his game that I don't like. Like the ball, it was a nice one to Firmino, Salah, Jota link up, and he just like took it off Jota's toe. Yeah, like he came through him, he ran through him in that instance, and just ruined the chance. But at least Jota got like three good opportunities and put one in the back of the net. You never know, he could be an outside shot, uh, outside shout to get into the starting 11. Yeah, and even on that, Salah still had a great game. Like, he played a brilliant ball in second half. Cut back two Jota, actually, wasn't it? Two Jota, yeah. yeah. Brilliant ball, and Jota probably should have scored that. And even for the Mane goal, uh, out-muscled Tierney. Tierney, obviously, brilliant player, but he's not, he's not, he's not, he's not a centre-half. Yeah, I think this yeah, could be the beginnings of the end of seeing him as left-sided centre-half, to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, I don't think... Um, it did, yeah, they'd be better off playing him as a left wing-back and then having Bakayo Saku playing on the wing. I just... It, it's baffling that you're not playing a Bamiyang, who is the best, one of the best finishers in the league, in his best position. It was like, it was like I was saying last week, but Fabinho, obviously Fabinho played well at centre-half. Bamiyang plays well on the wing. But you'd rather play him in his best position up front as opposed to sticking him out in the wing and having a pretty dog-shit finisher and Lacazette up top instead. Yeah, like that's the problem with Lacazette and having the Arsenal squad. You just have to shoehorn him in there. And Arsenal fans are starting to see the cracks at Willian. Like, they thought they had some fantastic deal in Willian at like 200000 a week on a free just because he put a few past Fulham. Willian got majorly exposed. He did absolutely nothing and Pepe even more so. So Arsenal, are, for as good as Arteta has been, there is problems there. Yeah, Bamiyang was anonymous all game. I think like the, going down the left side, the only person that was posing any sort of threat was Ainsley Maitland-Niles. He got down well for the for Lacazette, got the ball in the box. And then there was another one that was, I think he might have been offside, but David Louise thumped the ball over the top. He took it down well, but he was the only threat down that Arsenal left-hand side. Like Arsenal were quite lucky to get the goal. It was good work by him. But if you think going down the left, you'd expect the Bamiyang being a lot more, but... He, he was anonymous. Yeah, like Maitland Niles is very versatile. You think if you move Tierney into uh, left back as he's meant to be, you could actually lose something because of how good Martin Niles is in that game. Whereas Bellerin on the right, you need someone on the right. Bellerin was a passenger. You know, if you even watch the 
I watched the Arsenal West Ham game last week and Arsenal got an unbelievable amount of joy down that left hand side. Obviously it's a different uh, different prospect playing against uh, Trent as opposed to whoever West Ham are playing there. Obviously he just does levels. But they, they were getting far more joy out of it. Whereas I think it was, it was just Arsenal trying to find those pockets in behind, which it didn't seem to be doing. Obviously it's a different game plan against Liverpool. West Ham aren't going to press you as hard as Liverpool so Arsenal can try and hit you a bit more going forward whereas it's kind of hard to find those pockets in behind when Liverpool are pressing you so hard yeah Liverpool pressed really well and Trent was getting some serious balls in the box like he was whipping and he was causing Arsenal some amount of danger down that right side and then Arsenal's full back on the other hand Bellerin two fouls froze in the game like it's inexcusable in the Premier League that's something you do at under 12s like what is he at he's a fucking idiot it was, it was, it was unbelievable the second time he got called off for it he, he said he turned around to the ref and said I've been doing this my entire life it's unbelievable <laughs> yeah that's the beauty of uh, us having no fans in the stadium we get moments like that yeah it was a thoroughly uh, professional performance for Liverpool start of the season three games three wins um, yeah very solid Liverpool performance now on to the next game. It was a bit of a shock game. It was West Brom and Chelsea. Uh, the game ended three all. Uh, Thiago Silva making his Chelsea debut as captain. Shocking, absolutely disgraceful. A passenger in the game ghosted past. Uh, still, the best uh, Thiago Silva performance in London was at Glastonbury with Dave. That's <laughs> not what you want from a big, big wage uh, centre back in Thiago Silva, who's supposed to be one of the best centre backs in the world. But he was dreadful. To be fair, a state of Chelsea's defence, they'd probably be better off sticking out like some glass to win there. <laughs> Honestly, like you think about the cash they're splashing, and I knew it was going to be problematic. Firstly, you could argue Leicester fans got the better deal out of offloading Chilwell when they have someone like James that can deputise, and um, now Castagna. But like, oh, like fifty million for Chilwell, you're talking, and then Silva on a free, and their main problem was your defence last year. Uh, it. It's beggar's belief what Chelsea are doing at the minute, and I think they're going to be found out big time. But like as you can see, if like Werner starts firing, and they're going to uh, add uh, more goals and Ziyech and uh, Pulisic into the team, they'll be fine going forward. So maybe that could be a, a three all turned into a four three like second half of the season once that those front three get kicking. I only watched the extended highlights of this on Sky there yesterday. Werner was quite poor like he had a few very good chances and didn't score I, I, and that's three games no goals for Werner in fairness his overall play has looked decent but he's had he had two or three very good chances in that match that he probably should have scored yeah he should have scored one or two but you're thinking that he's Tammy he's playing on the left that game and Tammy Abraham was uh, playing for the centre and Tammy's just not the player Werner is uh, he's not going to be near that uh, first 11 for Chelsea so but like then again, Werner looked more dangerous uh, when he was playing on the left. Just but it is West Brom at the end of the day. Yeah, like a money move like Werner and uh, Havertz. A game against West Brom, not the strongest team. Really need to be impressing that game. They haven't really shown anything in their first couple of games that warrant a move. Obviously, it's early in the season. It's uh, different. The Bundesliga, the tempo is probably not the same as the Premier League. When you're spending that much money, you kind of expect a player to adapt. I know Havertz is still young, but it's so much money being spent on a player that he just needs to adapt near instantly. Like when you think with Salah, Salah came in, obviously he, he had been in the Premier League a wee bit with Chelsea, but didn't get off the ground. When he came back, he was flying then. He came back, the money moved from uh, Roma, and he was 
guns blazing, getting goals. Like that's what you want, Timo Werner and Havertz. You need Havertz to be in creating all the chances. You need to be beating West Brom. They're a team that are more than likely going to be in that relegation battle. Like these are Chelsea's games that they need to win because against the top four, like if you think back to Liverpool last week, they they pose no threat really. If you think all these next games and all this money they spent, they really need to be winning games. Honestly, and if they're going to d- disguise themselves as title challengers, that like everyone now sees that they're just not going to be that. But there's a lot of positives to take out of from a West Brom perspective. Like if you think about Robinson, this could be his breakout season in the Premier League to at least get them that safety if he can keep firing like the way he did because they're very well taken goals. Have you seen them? Like, yeah, they were well taken goals. But West Brom are still struggling at the back. I think that's. I think that's 10 goals conceded in the first three games. Yeah, and that's Kieran Gibbs as well with getting a stupid red card, saying you elbow Hamas Rodriguez again. And he's probably your most senior uh, member of your back line there. Like you've got people like O'Shea and stuff in there. So it's it's really not that convincing. But we'll see. Yeah, Yeah, Robinson, it's nice to see see an Irishman getting off the ground early in the Premier League, like getting a couple of goals he did. Because he didn't really get that chance with... uh, uh, Sheffield last year we think McMusa and Billy Sharp getting ahead he didn't really get um, a chance really uh, with Wilder so it's nice to see him getting a couple of goals in the Premier League and it's good to see West Brom getting the point so I think we all think that West Brom if you listen to our first episode we all I think put West Brom in the relegation zone or in their abouts so it is good seeing them take points off um, a top side and it's also good in the Liverpool sense as well because taking points off a supposed uh, title rival is also nice well, it's got even you know again still think West Brom are going to go down but they look a lot they don't look anywhere near as hopeless as, as Fulham yeah they're definitely definitely a better side and they're playing more exciting football it's going to be tight down there I don't know if West Ham don't look great either this season Sheffield had a poor start still think they're going to go down but obviously it's a good sign for them it's probably not going to help the confidence they blew a tree in the lead now yeah, but they'll probably take some. They'll, they'll, they'll take, take a lot. They'll yeah. take a lot of positives from the game. Like Slavon Bilic is a good manager, so I'd, it's different to to follow me. You know, I'm not going to be like West Ham, West Brom. Even are definitely going to go down. Like there's quality there. They to get a good run of form, they they could easily stay up. They could like like uh, Hammers looked down and out last year when you seen their fixture list that they had like compiled. It was insane. They're running and they they managed to escape it. To be fair, yeah, and that was a David Moyes who I don't think is anywhere near as good as a manager as. Uh, Slavin Bilic. Yeah, Bilic is very good. Yeah, but that squad Moisey has is better, far better than that West Brom. Far better, so yeah. Balanced out, you know. But yep. all we can see, all we can safely say is that Fulham are nailed on twentieth, and they had a banner in the stand there that just said "Full Force." So <laughs> they're just going down because of that very reason. I think that, uh, West Ham would be in big trouble. Obviously, talking about Chelsea again, they're looking at Declan Rice to complete their summer spending, but that's for another segment in the podcast. Bit of a shock result now was Leicester City. Leicester City and City. Uh, Leicester getting the win 5 2. Madness. Never thought at the start of the weekend that Leicester were putting five past City. Yeah, I think we all predicted Leicester would get a bit of a spanking in this match. Yeah, I thought City were going to win 4 1. I thought it was going to be a fairly routine win for Pep's men, but it got slapped. Yeah. Slapped. Massively found out in this game. And I think that uh, the, the big take home from this is that uh, defensive midfielders are coming under a lot of pressure now. You see Granit Jack at Arsenal. You also see uh, Rodri at uh, City. Like, he's no Fernandinho. I just don't think they're in the same calibre. I think he's, yeah. again, when you give him the space, he's easy on the eye. He's a nice passer. 
But Fernandinho is just that horrible prick that you need in the midfield. He'll just do anything. He'll just scratch you. It. He'll do anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, need, you need someone who's just going to be a bit of a bastard in there. Just going to give, like, going to leave, going to win most of the tackles, but will leave some on someone, ruffle a few feathers. Yeah, he'll, he'll yeah. throw you off your game. Rodri's not doing that at all anytime no. soon. So. The, the main thing that uh, came to mind with City's defensive performance, they were just so sloppy. They gave away so many stupid penalties. Mendy is a clown. Yeah, he I is think... the shark man. All he can do is post on Twitter and Instagram, and he's won the World Cup. He's a fucking fraud. First, the second half didn't do anything to worry me in terms of City's. Like, I don't think there was any Aki did anything particularly wrong himself. It was I think mo- mostly gave away one. It was mostly the fullbacks, though. Yeah. They were just disgraceful. Like, Mendy, everybody knows how bad Mendy is. Like, it's absolutely fraudulent that he's made to this level. The guy, yep. lad, lad's got two, what, two Premier Leagues in the World Cup, and he's done nothing. And any time he's played, he's looked like the worst player on the pitch. He's just He's got no coordination, and he's got no footballing IQ, especially in defensive situations like that. Yeah. Like, the penalty gave away, no need to go in for that at all. Yeah, like City's style of play has evolved in the negative sense at the start of the season. You're seeing De Bruyne come deeper, but like maybe that's for like lack of a striker. But Mendy was just ace for them in those few games that like two or three seasons ago when he was getting three assists against Arsenal. But he never had that defensive stability. I think they might go to Ake as a left back this season because he does play left back for the Dutch. That could be an option when they get in. Um, Ruben uh, Diaz. Ruben Diaz, thanks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and Kyle Walker, another one absolutely robbing the living. I don't think Kyle Cancelo's fit, but... Yeah, he's not fit, but Cancelo, he's a very impressive uh, player. I think once he comes back, he'll add that little bit of extra, even though City, they don't need that little bit of extra because they're just class. I was going to say they'd want to be playing him spending 50 million on him, but I don't think they spent that much less on Kyle Walker. In fact, I think it was 50 million for him as well. He hardly played last season. Cause I remember getting Cancelo in in, fantasy, in the fantasy football thing, and he was going to be a machine. And he hardly played. He was so disappointing. Well, if he thinks he get if he gets a good stretch of fixtures, he could be a serious player for City this year. Yeah, and just we may as well talk about the good things Leicester did. To kind of just talk about how bad yeah. City were. Leicester were brilliant. James Madison coming back, getting his first goal. I think it was in eighteen games. Oh, it was a class goal. Jamie Vardy, Jamie Vardy hat trick showing. You know, yeah, that Jamie Vardy second goal. If that's Messi or anyone, yeah. Neymar or people of that caliber, you're going insane for weeks, months. It's unbelievable. Like this is a man who drinks like five Red Bull before a game. He shouldn't be and as good as he is. Coffees as well. Like it just, yeah, he's, he's, his pre-match routine is ridiculous. In like, the age he is now, and the sort of style he plays, like I don't know how he hasn't slowed up. At first, he's, he's he only started his professional career at 26, so he's kind of making up for lost time. Yeah, but even just like your, just the human body at that age, it's just slows down your physical um what you're able to do physically isn't going to be as good as what you're going to be in your 20s but he's still he's still well, that rapid player that everyone loves in the premier league like i, I love jamie vardy like he yeah. pulled up with like a tender groin at the end of the game like so like there is inklings that like he is starting to deteriorate his body but like lester need to go into the market for a striker like just be scouting this season and just pulled it uh, just pull out a massive side and like you can still play Vardy you can play a two up top or something next season but just to cement that like top six I think they could really go for top six this year yeah because yeah. they bottled it last year this uh, but it's just it's just those tr- that, that English trio in the attack for for Leicester of uh, Vardy Madison and Barnes have been so impressive the last season a bit especially like I, I know I've got a little bit of bias here with Barnes him being my fancy football team and all that 
But I, th- I think he's brilliant. I don't think he gets enough credit for how good he is. Like, he just glides past players in the midfield. Fashing could do a bit of working on. But like he made, it was pretty much him made the first penalty. He took it through a few uh, City players and then played the ball through for Vardy. And then obviously there's nothing that has to be said for Vardy or Madison. The two of them are just absolute ballers. So, so much fun to watch the two of them. Leicester's team is just so solid. If you think like at midfield of Ndidi and Telemans, that's a solid midfield. Telemans is a serious player and Indeed, he's probably due a big money move in the next year that's or two. Literally, I was about to say, yeah, exactly. That's the only player that's at risk of moving. That's what's great about Leicester's team. They're so safe. Their players are great, but no team's going to want Barnes at the minute for a few years. I don't think. Yeah, not at the minute. And I know Madison was linked with United, but I, I think Madison looking at the United situation at the minute is probably not want to go. Not going to want to go there, especially yeah, Bruno. Pushing top Bruno was an elite player, though. You know, they yeah. once they Bruno in, like I wouldn't go as Madison. You're going to weigh better run of games is in Leicester like you know another game that we had uh, predicted last week was Yorkshire teams uh, the Blades and Leeds with Leeds coming up trumps in that game obviously getting the goal Patrick Bamford uh, three three consecutive games scoring in the Premier League who would have thought looking at him playing with Middlesbrough he was tragic and he was a man for missing a big chance in the championship the last couple of seasons but he found his feet at the Premier League level at the minute. Uh, could obviously just be good form or whatever, good run of fixtures. But leads off to a pretty good start. Yeah, I think, I think the goalkeepers on both sides took centre stage in this match. I know it was just... I mess, Meslier made a great save in the first. I can't remember who it was from. He made a very good that? save from Lundstrom. Yeah, a fantastic save. I, I've never... I don't think... He's new, is he? I think he was signed uh, this He season. was in... He he played the back end of the championship after Casilla was suspended for his comments. Casilla hasn't been able to get back into the squad. I think Casilla came in Real Madrid player. He's going to be the star man, but Messi he's he's, st- he's serious keeper now. He is obviously class. doing well. Obviously doing well to keep him out. Uh, on Bamford again, might just be a good run of form, but obviously yeah. it's good he for might him be to the get. Pookie of this season. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a good shout. Yeah, that's actually very very good shout. Rodrigo hasn't gotten off. Obviously, he wasn't going to be a man to be getting 20, 25 goals a season, but he probably needs to be. He's not the sort of out-and-out goal-getting striker. He sort of drops in, gets the, gets the passes. He didn't start the weekend, came on, started second half. Hasn't made a big impact yet in his Leeds career, but I've been impressed with him. Uh, against Fulham as well, I quite like the way he was dropping in Getting past, giving one twos. Never, he's not had a proper chance in front of goal yet. But I think he just needs one goal to get his confidence going, and he could be flying in the rest of the season. Yeah, I think he was happy enough. Like I was listening to Bielsa's uh, post match, and uh, he he was wasn't very quick to praise Bamford. He was like, "Yeah, uh, players can have those moments in the games because of our style of play and how it allows those big chances to be finished off." But he was far had far more praise for um, Rodrigo, who's who was just linking up the play, looking tidy, looked like that key in the attack. He mightn't be getting the big numbers. Bamford might just steal a load of the numbers this season for Leeds, but they, do they really care? Probably not, as long as they stay up. I think Bamford even said itself, the header, he kind of missed high end, it kind of just came off his nose. Yeah. But like even like Rodrigo, like he has played well. And to be honest, I think Bielsa probably didn't start him yesterday because he probably just didn't feel like it was the right game for him to be starting. And like, Sheffield are a very physical side. I don't think Rodrigo was that physical of a of a player and just then on Sheffield as well three losses three defeats in three games 
I don't know. I don't think there's there's much to be too worried about. I mean, they were missing two big players yesterday. Um, yeah, John Egan was suspended. John Egan suspended, and Jack O'Connell was out. I think he just wasn't fish. I don't know what injury or whatever he had there. But like Egan, Egan and O'Connell were the two two main men at the back for them last year. Obviously, Sheffield only did as well as he did last year because of how good the defence was. I think going into, I think just after the restart, only Liverpool had conceded less than them at that stage. They end up shipping a few more goals after that. But I'd say I'd say once they get the defence sorted out, Sheffield will be fine. It could be second season syndrome, like and yeah. uh, also a little anecdote on uh, Jack O'Connell's uh, iconic times when uh, we got a taxi with his dad. <laughs> I forgot about that actually, yeah. Yeah, that was huge. It could be a story for one of the next Barstaler podcasts, you know. Like Leeds, or not Leeds, Sheffield, they're going to have a massive problem going forward. Like, they don't get goals from anywhere. You can't say, oh, he's going to get X-Men goals. Like, Billy Sharp, finished. Mooset is tragic. Obviously, they were looking at Rian Brewster. But even Brewster coming into the squad, he's quick player, skillful. He's not going to be the sort of player that Wilder would... He'd fit well into a wilder system. You need someone like Olivier Giroud, just a big man up top, whip balls and get the headers. Oh yeah, if you look at Sheffield's two main strikers last year, they were Ollie McBarney and Goldrick, and they're two. Yeah, but then the strikers. common theme between those two are they're terrible at football. Like, like <laughs> you know, a uh, uh, lot, lot of love like, for a man did see, but yeah, he's not. Love league. for him as as a guy, good Coventry boy, but uh, absolutely, absolutely not, not having him. But I think Wilder is very adaptable, good tactician. I think he'd be able to adapt the system. If he was given the Brewster, but if you like, if you think about it, like Michael Edwards is not in the position to sell, and they're going to add the buyback clause. It's just not uh, very nice for Sheffield. Do you know what I mean? But they might just have to jump on that because it's second season syndrome, and they, they need, need those goals. I think for yeah. Sheffield at this stage, at this stage of them being in the Premier League, it's just them trying to consolidate themselves in the Premier League for two or three seasons, and then try to build from there, which I think is a problem. A few clubs, like if you look at Watford and Bournemouth, the two of them, I mean, they were both in the Premier League for five or six years. But for the most part, I know Bournemouth had one or two seasons where they kind of pushed top 10 that, but didn't really make it. But for the most part, both sides finished in the bottom half of the table, never really pushed anywhere near Europe or anything, which is what, if you're looking at the likes of, um, who was I thinking of now? Gone out of my head. But... Like that, if you had three or four seasons of having to build it and maybe challenge for Europe, it's not saying you have to definitely get Europe, but maybe challenge for it at least. You need, you, so it's, it's just that, that first few seasons, it's just consolidating yourself. Brighton is who I was thinking of. Brighton now look a lot better and they look like they're going to have. They do. But much, then Brighton did the reverse, charge. though. They did the reverse. So they had the um, approach. And now this has gone out of my head. Uh, last manager, Irishman, Hutton. And uh, now you've got Graham Potter. So they've gone for the progressive once they're established in the league. Whereas it was interesting to see Bournemouth, Watford and um, uh, now Wilders, uh, Sheffield all trying this progressive approach. But then again, to varying extents, it worked and hasn't worked. Like Watford chopped and changed managers here and there. So like if you look at the underachievers in the league, Everton, like look how hard it is for them to get in the top six places. Never alone, uh, you know, like let alone... Sheffield, so everything just will about really push for the European spots this season. Yeah, but like that, it's just I think Sheffield will be fine. Sheffield will stay up, and I think from next season on, they'll kind of want to push on. I think they overachieved to a certain extent last year because they weren't really that good for going forward. It's just defensively they are so solid. I think that's just what's cost them uh, towards the back end of the last season, the start of this season. But they'll be fine. Like, 
Now, this would be a game that Cullen would have had a lot of interest in. And this uh, this game is going to sort of lead into our next topic. We're going to be talking about uh, VAR so far in the Premier League. And VAR played a big role in this game, and it was United and Brighton. So, obviously, United winning in crazy circumstances, getting a penalty in after the game was done. <laughs> so, I, I was walking into town on Saturday afternoon, Get an L, a notification on Forza Football. Game done. Delighted. United dropping points. Then, uh, then get a notification on Twitter. The fancy football Twitter. 90 minutes plus 10. Bruno Fernandes getting the goal. I thought it was some sort of typo. Like, how could, the game was done. And then check on Twitter then afterwards. that The, the penalty was given after the full-time whistle. Given United win. And a game that Brighton were very hard done by not winning that game. Very hard yeah. done by extremely hard done by although there were a lot of people who took issue with the penalty being awarded after full time firstly it was a penalty and I don't really have issue with that that was awarded after full time because if it was a penalty and United were robbed of that a lot of people would be turning around and saying like, oh, look at this penalty that, was, that wasn't given to us the referee blew full time why isn't VAR coming in this so I think that was the right call but like that Brighton were excellent and absolutely robbed of three point, at least one point like they did so well to get back into the game and it was, it was like the Chelsea game. Like for the first fifty-five minutes of the Chelsea game, Brighton dominated, and then Chelsea got two lucky goals. They got scored scored one brilliant goal, and then they got an extremely lucky goal from Kurtzuma. Took a huge deflection, but even after that, Brighton still controlled the game after that from Chelsea. Yeah, you're talking about Trossard hitting the woodwork a couple of times in that game. Like, and you're, I was saying the last podcast that I was on, I think I was worried about the firepower that Brighton will have this season. So you need to be putting those away and there's not much you can do about that but they are really hard done by and you could argue that um, it should the penalty should have stood uh, that Pogba give away on Connolly oh absolutely should have stood like the I, the referee came to the conclusion that was because Connolly initiated the, con- the contact we came across him it's a for- it's forward play he was just going into the box he was making himself physical he didn't want the ball taken off him he was going to initiate contact yeah whatever but Pogba still cleaned him out of it from behind Think this was a big argument in our group chat during the oh, week. Con- massive. Connolly was convinced. Oh, it's a contact sport. Connolly was looking for. It. I was like, it doesn't matter if Connolly was looking for it or not. There was still contact there. And, and if you actually watch the replays back, you can see very, very, yeah, very clear, Again. clear contact with uh, Pogba's right knee and the back of Connolly's legs that clearly made Connolly go over. Like it is bizarre how the referee came to the conclusion that wasn't a penalty. Yeah, yous are more like of the view that it was a stone waller. I think I could see it given either way. Um, but I wouldn't... If I was the referee, I don't know what he's thinking overruling his own decision. Firstly, you just make yourself look... But I don't know where he was in relation to the incident, so it is fair enough getting the clarity from it after the fact. But no, not for me overruling that, I have to say. Think back to the previous weekend with Thiago and Werner. There was very little contact there. Obviously, contact is contact, and Werner went down, and there was a penalty, rightfully so. Pogba took Connolly out of it and Connell was very adamant that this absolutely was not a penalty and if that was given against United like if that was Rashford and it was Ben White coming and doing that on Rashford Connell would be fuming if that wasn't given he would be if I was a Brighton fan oh he'd be bullying yeah well I, I don't know if he'd be fuming but like I, all the, I think of all the penalties he got last season on the minimal contact on Bruno, Bruno goes down in, off like thin air nearly. It's a shite bag. 
<laughs> yeah, fair enough. But um, Connell, yeah, yeah, you can see where that's a penalty, and you can. But I don't know why you couldn't put those lenses on and see that at the weekend. Did you see Bruno at full time? When everybody else was looking for the penalty, Bruno just went over, took the ball, and put it there in the spot straight away. You got to, you got to love the ego. He's just so, he's so calm, <laughs> cool, and collected. A very calm, in fairness. A very calm, cool, and collected uh, goal was Rashford's goal. That was a class goal. Uh, Bruno ball forward and Rashford does does it all in his own. Yeah, you might have think like that he overcooked it, but no, put it away. Uh, yeah, very good finish. As, as was Mopey's penalty, absolutely saucy, just yeah. so saucy. I hate that he had to eat his words, but it is hilarious <laughs> the, the the narrative there that he gave the the crying eyes. Like I don't at the state at the same time the state of him. Yeah, and Paris, don't do that. Like twenty nine, what was it? Twenty nine minutes into game days, go that penalty. It was even later. Minute. If it was the 90th minute and he get the no, winner, the, the, the pen. Oh, yeah. If he banged that in or just we chipped. The, the stink of sauce off that goal was class, though, but celebration. What do you at? Yeah, and then another one. I'm convinced it was a foul on Lewis Dunk for the own goal for United's equaliser. I, yeah. I think there's a bit of pull in there from Harry Maguire. I think that they're not, given, not, but remember that rule was introduced and there was a lot of inconsistency with it. Refs were given... Penalties and free sometimes, but yeah. in other times there weren't. So it's, I think, yeah, fair enough. The Maguire yeah, goal, but, but a bit gonna, of a mess. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to be too mad about it being given, but personally, thought it was a foul. And again, it's, it's another, it's another one where United maybe got a little bit lucky on the VAR front. So keeping on the topic of VAR, I have a stat for you, lads. So so far in the Premier League, there in the 28 games, there has been 20 penalties. And six of them have been for handball. So if this trend was to continue for the rest of the season, there will be 292 penalties and 88 for handball. They're going to have to change the rule for handball. I think the, the most sort of shocking one was Eric Dyer's one uh, against Newcastle. Obs at this. Matt Doherty's one penalty. was awful as well. The yeah. last week. Spurs are getting horribly hard done by. Oh, shocking. It's, like Liverpool got very lucky against Leeds. I think sort of the first instance really of me seeing this rule was the Champions League final when the ball sort of clipped up onto Sissoko. But like these, the pen, you're getting penalties for nothing. For but absolutely even, nothing. Even that, like the Sissoko one, he gave it because his arm was in a natural position, which also, this whole thing about what's in a natural position, that like, they gave the dire one because his arm was up in the air, which is like, if he was standing on the ground, it's fair enough, that's in a natural position. But, he was jumping for the ball. What, do you, what, like, what do they expect? Do they just want Premier League players to jump like a fish now to go get the ball? It's ridiculous. When you're jumping up, you need a bit of leverage. He's half an inch away from that. He cannot get his arm out of the way. But like, even at that, there's apparently the rule is if the ball hits the player on the sleeve or above, it's not a handball, which I yes. think is why like, that's but why really the Diogo Jota goal wasn't overruled. Like, like it did hit Diogo Jota on the arm, but it hit him up on top of the sleeve. Again, I touched upon it last week, the, the Gabriel handball. You could argue his hand was in an arm was in a natural position there, but the ball hit off his arm when it was going to a West Ham player. In my eyes, that's much more of a penalty than any other handballs I've seen in the Premier League so far this season. Like it's it's just baffling how they're making these calls. So it's coming towards the the business end now of the transfer window. And there's potential for clubs to be doing some massive signings. Obviously, it's the whole Jaden Sancho saga is still on. But uh, City finally got another, I say, premium centre-back. They 
stopped with the whole Chase and Koulibaly and they signed Ruben Diaz from Benfica. Any opinions on that, lads? Well, I think it's Stratton City. Like, this is the most expensive City signing of all time, isn't it? I think it's believed it could come in at a total of £65 million. But in the COVID climate, it's probably very incremental installments. But still an awful lot of money to be spending on City Defence, where it could be method over personnel. Like, the we still might be talking about City in the Champions League because of defensive errors in the centre-back area. So I just don't think he's going to have that Van Dijk impact on City. Well, it could be massively wrong. So we'll just have to wait and see on that one. Yeah, it's, it's just City again, just spending a load of money in defence. It's it's not proven for them to work in the past. I think the only one of those, those defenders that City has spent big money on that have, have actually impressed me is Laporte. Because I know everybody knows Laporte is good. Uh, he's not really made any awful mistakes since he's went went in, but it's the likes that he have brought in, like the likes of Otamendi, John Stones. He spent fifty million on again. I'm saying Kyle Walker, ben, Benjamin Mendy. Like obviously they're fullbacks, but like they've spent a lot of money on the defense. They've probably spent as much on the defense alone as Liverpool have since Klopp came in. I think they've spent uh, over five hundred million on defenders since Pep's taken over. Yeah, so it's. I don't know. I, I don't know who's scouting these players, but it's obviously not working. Yeah, it's crazy. Th- it's crazy Sorry. to think that if you've spent five hundred million, that you're still trying to strengthen that position. Five hundred million, they expect nailed on. You've got serious left back, right back, two centre backs, and a goalkeeper all for five hundred million. That's what uh, you, they got you a good that. deal in Ederson. Though. Oh that yeah, was the only one. Because yeah, thirty-five awesome. million, but it looked like a lot at the time. Because that was before Kepa and Allison and stuff. So even that at the time looked like quite a bit, but that's sort of their keeper situation. Eh? But Kyle Walker's been all right. He's not coming good now. It's just there's a lot of problems there. Cancelo needs to gel. Laporte's good. There's a lot of there's a makings of a great backline there. But if it was any other football club buying Stones fifty million, selling them off for like twenty in this climate, like they'd be in big trouble. Mangala, another one that came in, they spent a lot of money on it. Did nothing. Sanya, all these boys, like yeah, it's, it's stupid money. Another defender got the deal over the line, and not long after the podcast finished recording last week was Samedo, another Portuguese man to Nuno's team. I think Wolves are now one player off having a full Portuguese starting eleven. I think with Jota there, they would have it, but obviously Liverpool man now. Yeah, I believe they have like eight at the minute in the squad or something. Maybe that was counting Jota, so maybe yeah, it's bang on eight or something. So, uh, yeah, it's, I think Marcel's Brazilian and then one of the other ones is Brazilian. So they're at least nearly Portuguese speaking, which is insane. You know, imagine like English not being the first language in that dressing room. It's just yeah, a bit mad, isn't it? A bit mad, like. I have nothing to add to this, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just looking at your own. <laughs> yeah, expecting some criminal thoughts, but. I have no hot takes on Portuguese players playing in the Premier League. But yeah, there's I just no tomato. Uh, He's a serious player on FIFA. Class yes. on FIFA. He's got the pace. He's got the skills. He's going to be so expensive on Ultimate Team now with FIFA coming out in the next week or so. Oh, can't wait. And of course, that means Traore is going to be in his more natural, gifted position. You can use him off the bench. You can bring in Neto and Poddins. And there's wolves of, a, wolves of a lot more options now that they fill this, dar- that this hole that Stardy's left. So good on them. It'll be interesting to see, though, now with like, the transfer window obviously was longer than usual given the whole circumstances of the global pandemic. But I, I like having the, the window run into the start of the season. I think it adds a bit more drama. And I know um, 
obviously United they still have the whole transfer saga the will they won't they they're still oh, I looking they at won't. I don't think yeah. they will either I think it's too far on in the window obviously Connell might know a bit more about this because uh, he'd be reading into it more but I just think it's too far on now in the window to be spending that sort of money I think they'll get Tellez done in the next week but Sancho here's a break to United fans he's not coming yeah, excluding Diaz at City, I don't think there's another 50 or maybe 60 plus million player in the league left. Like, I think all the big deals are done. I think, though, if there is going to be one more big money signing, I think it'll be Rice to Chelsea, Declan Rice. But, but would still... Rice cost more than 50 at, this, at the minute? Like, Yeah. Havertz, oh, I 70? Think, I, think, I think Jorginho is being rumored to link to Arsenal as well. Especially if Declan Rice comes in. I don't think there's any place inside for Jorginho. No. No, definitely not. I heard a bit of a mad one. I don't know how how true this one is, but I heard uh, Lamptey, the Brighton fullback's been linked with a move to Bayern Munich for ten million. Uh, hardly already. Like ten million. I don't, I don't think well. he would even even. He don't think he would unless he was guaranteed starting. I mean, he's very good. But like Davies, you're not going to be getting in of the, well. Who's, who's playing right back? Other side. Other side. Other side. Right. Yeah, other side, Kimmich yeah, plays yeah, centre mid because he's uh, that better there yeah. than he is a fullback. I think, I think Pavard, yeah, but yes, he's been man. Has Pavard been awful since he's come? I don't watch any of I don't even watch think any League either myself. I think Pavard's preferred position is centre half as well. So maybe they're trying to move him in there instead and have someone else play it right back. I think Kimmich plays now in in the number six now as well. So they don't really have an out and out right fall at the minute. But look, we do love the transfer obsession, but I do think not a whole pile to talk about this week in the way of transfers. Like a lot of it will be speculation and stuff. But I think by and large, teams are settled enough. We'd love to be bringing you more transfer news. We would. Um, but unfortunately, the clubs aren't doing the business. Great news is that Loris Carrius has been shipped off somewhere oh, yeah, else again. He's gone. How are people still signing this man? What has he ever done in his career to warrant a move Stop. anywhere? I will get too angry if we start <laughs> talking about this man. So, anyways, on to our predictions. So, in terms of our leaderboard, Ronan is uh, dead last with seven points. Connell is just above him on eight. Myself is in the, the second place position with ten. And somehow James has twelve. Uh, the man who said that there was going to be seven goals in the Wolves game at the start of the season is the most accurate so far in terms of his predictions. So again, we bring you another five games uh, for our predictions. Uh, Connell sent on his predictions to me as well. So let's get into it. So the first game we have is Chelsea Palace, and I have a draw on that game. I think it'll be 2-2. Uh, Connell went for a 2-0 Chelsea win. Uh, I think this will be a very interesting game. Uh, Palace obviously getting the win against United a grand start of the season and Chelsea are muck at the back Townsend made a good start so could be could be interesting I've gone for a 2-1 Palace away win I think Chelsea are just trash at the minute I think their confidence is probably on the floor and Palace more unlucky to not, I, I watched the Palace and Everton game there at the weekend as well I, I thought they were very unlucky not to get something out of that Zaha has started well Eze looks very good so yeah, I think Palace are going to nick a win there. Right, well I've gone for a 4-1 Chelsea win. 
And uh, that is based off nothing rational because of how well Palace have been doing on Hodgson. The organization's good. They're defensively solid. They've got a consistent team. So my data coming out here again. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to keep uh, predicting Chelsea to be high scorers because I have Werner in the FPL and I need that man to do something ASAP. So that's my reason. The next game on our predictor radar is Leeds United versus Manchester City. I think City will bounce back. They'll uh, win 4 1. This game is what I'm saying. 4 uh, 1 City win, fairly comprehensive City dub. Uh, Connell went with a similar enough uh, prediction to me with 3 1 City. So, in terms of uh, me and him, very similar. I've gone for a 4 2 victory from Man City. Uh, I'm going to go out and come out with my controversial opinion that I came out with in the first week that City are good at football and are probably going to score a few goals here. That's my top level, top expert analysis on Manchester City. Very well. I predicted City to draw 2 all with Wolves last time I was on, so I'm going to predict another 2 all with Leeds, only because they're at Ellen Road. Bielsa is the man himself. And uh, yeah, a bit of a, it's, it's a good to have a bit of City agenda at the minute. Maybe they'll spend another 200 million or something if they get a, <laughs> a late draw here. Uh, another game now. Uh, it's going to be deep in the hearts of the three boys here. Uh, Liverpool Villa. Uh, I just think Villa are going to get thumped. Uh, 5-0 pool win. Very comprehensive. <laughs> Dub for the boys. Uh, Connell also went with 4-0. I, I've seen James's prediction for this match. I'm not even arsed at this stage with his predictions. <laughs> What's your prediction, Roland? I've gone for a 2-0. Comfortable 2-0 victory. I just don't think we're going to score that many. I have gone for a <laughs> filthy 7-0 bashing because if I'm still top of this predictor game, what are you doing? Uh, so I'm just going to be outrageous. It's not, you're not top because you're getting the scores right. You're top because you're predicting the right teams to win. Listen, last week I celebrated United 3-2 uh, and then I also found out behind James, so I was quickly taken off my high horse. Uh, probably the game of the weekend, uh, this next one is... Manchester United versus Tottenham Hotspur. I have a 2-2 draw in this game. Uh, neither team have lit the, the league alight since the restart. Uh, obviously, Son in the bin now with an injury. Uh, Connell also went with a draw, but just 1-1 one, one for his beloved United. Uh, for second week in a row, me and you have agreed on a scoreline here. Make sure I've both gone for 2-1. Pretty similar reasons. Uh, I both think both sides are fairly shaky at the back and both sides have good quality in the attack. So I think it's going to be a good end-to-end. Or it might end up being cagey because it's Hope City Mourinho. But yeah, two on. I have gone for a Spurs win by three goals to do. <laughs> this isn't funny. <laughs> Not even slightly. He's going to need to cut this bit out. I'm done. For context, James has been on the cans. Um... <laughs> So Spurs winning by three goals to two. Uh, not much reason behind this. Mourinho getting one over on his uh, old Manchester United. It's always nice to see. It'll be a harder task with Son, but let's get Ole out the door. Let's get him the earliest uh, out the door at the top six managers this season. Let's get him the sack. He's out of his depth. He's a PE teacher. Time to go. And then the final game of the weekend that we have predicting is Leicester versus the Amers. Uh, West Ham, tragic team. They're very bad. So I have them losing 4-1 to Leicester. And then Connell went with a 3-0 comprehensive Leicester win. 
I have taken a page at James's book here and I've gone for an exciting 6 2 Leicester victory. <laughs> <laughs> Bold. Uh, well, I have gone. This is going <laughs> to cap off my uh, horrible prediction series. I'm going with a Hammers victory here 3 1 to Hammers. And uh, Bowen's going to just come off to a flyer, Antonio. So it's all going to go well for the Hammers. Well, uh, I think on that note, uh, we'll call an end to the podcast. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, obviously, you can check us out on our socials on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, don't forget to follow us on YouTube and give us a like and a comment. And also, we're available on Spotify as well. So uh, and, ta- and Apple Podcasts now as well, actually. We're going up in the world, boys. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, that's been us. Have a good day. Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.